Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I wanted to wish everyone a happy new year as this is the first show that I'm having in 2015. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. This is going to be a great interview and this is going to be applicable to pretty much everyone out there because I'm predominantly sure that pretty much everyone today is using some type of a social media site. So tonight, and I will introduce her in a moment, I want to do a nice introduction for her. We have the clinical psychologist, social media commentator and expert, and the Amazon award-winning author of Face Hooked, and it is Dr. Susanna Flores. So I'm going to introduce her in a moment. But again, everyone out there, please be sure to check out this book she wrote. It really is spectacular. She's a phenomenal writer, and she really covers pretty much every aspect of uh, social media sites and things that people will encounter when you're on these sites, and we're going to get into a lot of that tonight. So again, thank you for joining my show tonight. I started this show a few years ago with the idea in mind that I really wanted to create a forum to bring people on in the entertainment industry. It could be authors, comedians, filmmakers, um, musicians, to really help support and promote them. A little bit about myself, I have a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, so uh, Dr. Flores and I have a lot in common tonight, and I am a clinical psychologist. But I do um, put out there that my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes. This is not a show where we're doing any type of formal therapy or analysis. Um, We will explore things in an educational format to um, educate people and teach people about psychological terms, but that's the extent of the show. Then my other passion, of course, is the entertainment industry, so I really wanted to combine my clinical skills and my interviewing skills with supporting people and promoting people. Um, I have an album out as a solo artist, and I do some other stuff in entertainment, and I know how difficult and challenging it can be for people when you're doing things independently. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. If you want to call in, the number is 805-243-1320. I do have a chat room window open, and um, but I will predominantly be focused on the interview. So if you want to post some questions in there, I will try to go back and forth. Okay, and another thing um, that I want people just to keep in mind is, as I said, you know, my audience and the people that come on my show, feel free to talk about what you'd like. Um, If it's any type of, of course, you know, embarrassing, humiliating story, just, you know, keep information anonymous. We do like to laugh on my show, but I don't want to personally embarrass or humiliate anyone. Okay, so let's introduce Dr. Flores, and then we'll bring her on. As I mentioned, she's a clinical psychologist. She's a national social media commentator and expert, and she is the Amazon best-selling author of Facebook. This is a book that is um, looking at how Facebook affects our emotions, relationships, and our lives. She has um, been a national social media expert and commentator and on national and international newscasts, podcasts, radio, and talk shows, including Al Jazeera, The Stream, Lieberman Live on the Howard Stern Show. I'm a big fan of Howard Stern, WCIU Channel, National Public Radio, NPR, Just Jenny on Sirius XM Channel, and the list does go on, so I don't want to, I mean, she's been on so many things, and she really is well-renowned. Dr. Flores has also been quoted in the Chicago Tribune, the Huffington Post, ABC.com, CBS.com, Esquire.com, Everyday Health Magazine, and again, another whole host of magazines and other publications. So she really knows her stuff, and uh, I really want people to support her and get this book. So as I mentioned, tonight we're going to talk about Facehooked, 
which is an explanation of the psychological effects of Facebook and social media networks on how we think, communicate, interact, and understand ourselves and others. She really has delved into um, researching some of this stuff, not in necessarily a formal way, but over the past three years, she has extensively interviewed people from across the globe on their experiences and their encounters with social media sites and how it has impacted them. And again, we'll get into all the different dynamics she um, discusses in her book tonight. All right, so without further ado, let's bring Dr. Flores on. Hey, Dr. Flores, how are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. What an an introduction. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's the one thing consistently I get with pretty much every show is, I'm not going to say what people say at the end, but in the beginning they're always like, I don't think I can live up to that. What am I going to do? You know? <laughs> no, so. like, no pressure. <laughs> no, you'll be fine. As I said, I'm really laid back. I want to make this, you know, about people getting to know you as a person as well mm-hmm. as promoting the book that you have out there. So, um, well, yeah, I really so appreciate again, you welcome. having me on your show. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's cool. So let's, uh, let's start a little bit out about, um, you know, just tell me a little bit about yourself and, and specifically where did you grow up in Chicago? You know, tell me what you were like as a kid. Let's get into a little background. Oh, okay. Um, I grew up on the <laughs> south side of Chicago. <laughs> I was like, we're going to go there. All right. Um, on the south side of Chicago, uh, it was a rougher part of uh, Chicago. It's even a, a harder part now. Uh, my parents owned a grocery store, and so um, we had a, a lot of uh, interesting, I'll use the word, you know, experiences growing up. Um, a lot of it uh, faced with violence, actually. Um, we, My parents and I, uh, you know, all of us as a family, because it was a, a family functioning store, we got held up at gunpoint more times than I could count, actually. Oh um, and it's kind of, you know, no no child should probably ever have that experience. And, you know, to us, that was just normal, right? You know, it was kind of like, you know, uh, the world is dangerous, you know, be careful. Uh, you know, you always right. have to have your wits about you. And so the, we were always, like, on alert. And um, it was kind of like this uh, idea that you had to adapt to certain situations very, very quickly and problem solve very quickly. Um, so we spent most of my... Uh, years there uh, through adolescence, and so it was, it was tough. It was certainly very tough, um, especially you know. Just and how did you? The- I mean, just to digress a little bit. I mean, as a kid, I, I sure. can't, I can't even imagine being in that situation. And like you said, really having to kind of be on your toes and probably having some, you know, some paranoid features to, like you said, be aware of your surroundings and what might happen. I mean, how do you cope with that as a kid? I mean, I can't. I, I just can't even fathom how challenging that could be. You know, the other day I was speaking to someone uh, who grew up also in South Chicago, and we talk about, like, you know, to this day, you know, we have something called hypervigilance, right? Um, sure. We're very alert of, of our environment. Um, you know, uh, we jump a little bit at, 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 you know, loud noises or something. And, and there's mm-hmm. this, this ongoing feeling of, you know, we're never 100% completely safe or, you know, our things, you know, possessions are not 100% safe. You know, I am the person when the club was out, you know, I had the, the car club, I had the car alarm, the house 
alarm, right. you know, and to, and to this day, I am overprotective, and I often tell people, like, I don't know if I ever want to completely lose that, because it no, kept you safe, and so, not. honestly, that, that's right. how we coped, is that it was just the reality of the neighborhood, you know, our curfews were tougher than others, or at least the parents that cared, you know, uh, our curfews were tougher than others, and uh, so, it, you know, it was, it was rough being a, a teenager, you know, or, uh, you know, a child, um, in that environment, but mostly it was just a lot of worry o- o- about my parents. You know, I wanted my mom to sure. be safe, and my father worked two jobs, and so we were really struggling. You know, we were uh, working all the time. It's, I just remember my parents working, working all the time, and uh, we would cry, you know, and uh, we would shake after such an experience, and then we have to wipe our tears away, and we had to go back to work, and right. that's the way it was, you know. Oh my uh, finally, you there, have there, any there was. Was yes, yes, I had an older to? brother, older brother, yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, you're a psychologist, and you know, so am I. So um, you know, we often joke, like, he, he is uh, in law enforcement, and so I, I I don't think it's any coincidence that I became a psychologist and he carries a weapon. Right. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> As, as uh, you know, and how these early experiences manifest themselves. So we both grabbed um, negative experiences, you know, and, and the sense of lack of safety and channeled that in a very positive way. So I think that we we became very lucky, and it was, luckily we had a you know, good family network to be able to, to do something like that and, you know, just focus our energy on, you know, education and, and to be honest, really honest, the, to get out of the neighborhood. And so right. that was the way that we we focused on doing that. No, that's, but, uh, that's wonderful the, to hear, like you said, with the support system and, you know, kind of sublimating, you know, these, these challenges and these really difficult times you guys had it and using them in a positive and productive way. I mean, that's just, you know, more power to you for doing yeah. that. Great. You know, I, I tell people often that, you know, mentoring is very important and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, volunteering for this because my, my, I think my parents, they, they made a very smart move in that um, our God, both of our godparents, you know, were doctors, right? And so whenever we would hang out with our godparents, you know, they would take us to these really fancy restaurants. I remember I was, like, really uncomfortable. It was a French restaurant. And so I was like, why do I have three forks or something, right? But uh, the food was right. so delicious, and it just seemed like such a, 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 a like a utopia world, right? And so mm-hmm. it just took us out of that reality for a second, and I just thought to myself, how do I have more of this, right? And that's when they said stay in school. So there was at least for a moment the seed was planted that there's something else outside of that neighborhood that, you know, one could aspire to, you know. And so that for that reason, mentoring is very important. And Definitely. so, um, and, and- yeah. And similar to you, I mean, I can't, you know, get into details on the air and we could talk off the air, but, you know, I, I work in corrections and, you know, that's what I try mm-hmm. to instill in the patients is, you know, look, you can have an upper, another opportunity and another chance and you've got to start channeling some of this stuff in a more positive way because you don't want to keep coming back here. And, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of trying yeah, to Yeah, I also work in, in corrections. Yeah, I work oh, in corrections nice. as well. Yeah, and uh, I, I would say similar things where people would say, you don't know my neighborhood, and I was like, oh, you don't know mine. You know, right. I grew up in <laughs> hell as well. And, uh, you know, it, a lot of it is recidivism, like, it, it, uh, excuse me, resiliency, mm-hmm. like, you know, just trying to, you know, just adjust to, you know, and overcome certain things. And it's more about also making different choices because we eventually exactly. grew up and we, we did have a choice as to, you know, are we going to hang out with these people or are we going to hang out with these people, right? Yep. Um, and you can put yourself in certain situations and, and it, not everything is choice, obviously, right? But um, there are certain things that are. 
you know, and you just have to Definitely. decide what kind of life you, you want to live and how you want your exactly. life to look. Yep, absolutely, right. absolutely. So tell yeah, us, so how that's did a little you, bit about you know, my background. Yeah, I mean, and growing up as a kid, it sounds like, again, you were you were helping your parents out, you were working a lot. Was there anything that mm-hmm. you channeled your energy into that you enjoyed doing? Did you play any sports? Were you involved in any type of activities that, you know, you want to share with people so we can hear about that side of you? Sure, sure. Um, I was involved in uh, the theater. I, I tried sports. I was a complete disaster. Um, <laughs> so uh-huh. I'm like, okay, not in the bone in my body, at least not at that time. Later on, I got into marathoning, um, which okay, was great, cool. a great way to channel your energy. But uh, the theater, it, it just seemed like it was an escape, another sense of escape, like you could become this whole other person. And I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And to this day, I love the theater and I love, you know, all of that. And it, it, it you just, I felt alive. So it is a, a very competitive field for those who want to go into it. And, um, you know, yes. but I, it was just wonderful, you know, and, and that probably has influenced a little bit about, you know, what I do now, which is, you know, also just a conversation with yourself, you know, uh, radio interviews or television interviews or, you know, just trying to get into the, the media because, you know, I, I tell people I love the sound of my own voice, right? I can talk forever. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, being able to incorporate some of the, you know, the, here's a coping skill future, you know, like uh, humor. We used a lot of humor, at, you know, during these really bad um situations and so I, I I've kept that. I have like a, a dark, That's cynical, great. sarcastic sense of humor right. that I still use even with my clients because sometimes you do have to laugh at life. You know, I, what else what I else agree are you with do? you. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I in an appropriate way I totally agree with you. And you know, you get them to laugh and I say try to incorporate some of this into your life because you're gonna have to learn different ways to cope and sometimes humor, you know, can be a great technique. Oh absolutely. Um, How long have you been? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go. No, I was about to say, especially when it comes to our family members, you know, I I, I often hear this one quote. It's from from Dr. Wayne Dyer. uh, He says, you know, God gave us friends to apologize for our family members. And it's just so funny. And and for many people, it's really true, you know. Um, and so it, it does help to, you know, there's always going to be difficult people in your in life, and hopefully not mm-hmm. always. But, you know, sometimes there there are toxic people, and we can't control the thoughts and behaviors of other people, but we can control, you know, our reactions to it anyway. And sometimes Definitely. you have to just laugh. You can, you can be jaded or you can laugh, you know, so it's easier it's to laugh. It's true. Absolutely. So just to, while we're talking about humor, because I think this would be an interesting parallel, how long have you been listening to Howard Stern? Because I thought that was really interesting when I was reading your bio and I saw that you were, you know, on Lieberman Live. Have you always been a mm-hmm. fan or when did you start? Oh, absolutely. To? I mean, Howard Stern, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think he's very, very intelligent. And, you know, yes, yeah, he yeah. certainly pushes uh, the envelope. Um no one could ever really say otherwise. He's very good at pushing pushing the envelope. But I understand that, you know, a lot of that is, you know, the entertainment element to it. But, uh, you know, it is good conversation. And John Lieberman, you know, it was it was a phenomenal opportunity um, and experience, you know, to uh, be able to interview with him and the panel. It was very fast-paced, and we got a lot of stuff done. He really knows his stuff. He did uh, some really good research on it before right. he, uh, I even came on, which was fantastic. And uh, I look, hopefully, you know, look forward to the opportunity of doing that again. But I was very excited for that opportunity. Um, That's great. So, so, so as we're talking, how long have you been listening to Howard and, and just how, who introduced you to him? Was there someone that was a fan that said, hey, you got to check this out? 
You know, I've been probably, well, of course, there's graduate school. I've been very busy. So, like, on on again and off again for maybe, boy, how long? Uh, oh, boy, I'm going to age myself now. <laughs> Um, no, no, you don't have to. Like I said, like whatever 10, you feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, about about ten, you know, somewhere around there, ten years or so, on again, off again. Okay. Um, and so the the way that I uh, got in contact with him, believe it or not, was LinkedIn. Um, some people really underestimate the power of LinkedIn, and so I, you know, I saw John Lieberman. I was like, wow, John Lieberman's on here, and so I just said, here's an idea. You know, this is what I do. This is a book that I wrote. This is my stance on it. You know, please let me know if you would ever be interested in an interview, and that's how it happened. That's great, great, really good. Yeah, yeah, I actually know know him a little bit too, and he's just wonderful. And have been a fan of the show for for several years now too. And like you said, I mean, when I'm going to work. When I'm going into corrections and I'm coming home, it's just a way to deconfect and, you know what I mean, and they're great interviews he does. I mean, this, even though, it, like you said, he's edgy, he pushes the envelope, he's still oh, yeah. just a brilliant interviewer and, you know, just a very bright guy. Um, and, you know, absolutely. I, I do respect to, to him. Absolutely, to digress. You know, I didn't know much about him. and. What I really became a fan of his was when someone exposed me to his movie. And what I related to, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, was the struggles this individual had and how he was told, you're never going to do this and you're a piece of you-know-what. And, you know, that mm-hmm. made me just and value him even more. And so from that moment I on, I was like, movie. i got to learn more about this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I so. love the movie. And I, I love that he was also just... Uh, you know, the courage to to also just show, like, I guess he had the dork stage, right? You know, and we all had a right. dorky stage, you know. Our, we're all insecure. We we all have these moments where we don't feel, you know, adequate. And, and it's just living proof that, you know, the master of every of anything was once a novice, you know. And so, you know, you see where mm-hmm. he's freaking out, where he, you know, uh, I, I, I think drops a record or something and just completely freaks out. It's, it's so funny, you know, and it's just he's beginning and he's just finding his voice. But once he's found his voice, it's like, boom, right? Yeah. It's Howard Stern. And, yeah. and you but, know, to hear all of this negativity for years and then to be able to channel it and not just channel it, but to be genuinely, like, completely authentically himself, that is what I respect about exactly. him. Exactly. And that relates back to what you're saying, too, just, you know, digressing back to your childhood you know, perseverance and resilience. And, I mean, he embodies that, you know, like no other. So, I mean, I think that's, that's really, you know, valuable too. Right. So, yeah, you just right. have to keep going and believe in yourself. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, you go on to, as you said, you're being mentored by people in your family and education is key. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, tell us a little bit about where you went to school and uh, did your doctorate degree and some of your experiences, sure. and then we'll start to, uh, you know, move a little forward into the book. Okay. Um, I uh, went to, I got my master's at Loyola University of Chicago in mm-hmm. counseling psychology, and then I got my doctorate in Argosy, at Argosy University of Chicago uh, with a minor in forensics. Um, oh, and great. So it's just interesting. That, that is where I thought my life would be, and... Uh, then I started doing child custody evaluations, and I thought, not so much. <laughs> you know, it was really, really tough. Wow. And, um, <laughs> it was. It's tough. It's very, that's, very tough. No, yeah, just, that's like, one thing. Um, that's one thing I don't have experience doing is is child custody evaluations. So I, I just can't even imagine right doing something and, like and, that. And you know, and it's not the children; it's the parents, right? And I'm like, right. you know, y'all are crazy, you know, and I'm right. gonna end up <laughs> physically hurting one of you or something. And I'm like, I need not do this. 
Um, you know, right. because they're using your child as ammunition against you. You know, and it's just it's, it's too much, too much. Um, and so uh, I, I actually, uh, during my internship, I got placed at uh, uh, the VA Medical Center in Salisbury, North Carolina. So I went from you know a very uh, yuppie neighborhood in Chicago. Uh, that's after we moved, of course, you know, to um, Salisbury, North Carolina. So it was this little itty-bitty town. So it was a cultural and regional shock of my life, right? Wow. Um, I'm, I'm seeing Confederate flags everywhere. I'm, you know, the town Mexican, just to give you an idea of, you know, how okay. <laughs> this town was. And I'm watching Deliverance every night and Mississippi Bernie, and I'm calling my mother, and I'm like, I love oh you. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to die. And um, I had to even channel my, uh, or not channel, but I had to even uh, ex- explore my own biases about living in a small town and, you know, my assumptions or so. And I had to even you know, let go of, uh, you know, that uh, discomfort and just try to adjust another sure. adjustment in my life. Right, and so uh, since that time, you know, I, I like the South. I, I made a lot of good friends. I returned back home to Chicago, but I made some really good friends. It was a really good learning experience uh, to be taken completely out of your your uh, comfort, comfort zone. zone too. And yeah, yeah. and and so I've, I've worked at uh, community counseling centers, as mentioned. You know, I did a rotation at at uh, I'll say a correctional facility, and you know, some hospitals, inpatient, emergency rooms. I've done a little bit of everything, even uh, yeah. director of counseling at uh, the Illinois Institute of Art, which was fantastic, um, but entirely wow. different. So, um, and then one day, you know, I, I decided to do private practice, uh, which led me to the book, actually. Okay. Um, when so some, let's, some let's um, real quick in terms of like you said, you had you had sounds like you were multiple different experiences, which I think really mm-hmm. shaped the person. I I'm the same way. I wasn't someone who just wanted to do child psychology or forensic psychology. Had a variety of different experiences. So when did you decide to kind of do that kind of jump where you're like, I'm going to do private practice? And what specific types of populations um, were you going to work on? Tell us a little bit about your theoretical orientation. You know, just share some sure. background with that, and then we'll ask you how you started um, getting into, you know, media per se. Sure. Because it was forensics, I really focused on cognitive behavioral um, at the mm-hmm. time, and uh, I, I really wanted to do forensic, uh, forensic work either, you know, at a, a VA or a federal uh, correctional facility, um, so I was really sticking to anything that was federal. That's how I got placed at uh, the VA in uh, Salisbury. Okay. But what 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 caused a shift was um, doing trauma work at the VA and really getting into PTSD. Um, you know, treating veterans, and I just mm-hmm. became very intrigued. And of course, it led me back to my background because it is about you know uh, resiliency. You know, like how can right. someone overcome something very traumatic? And what's interesting, you know, is that I didn't even realize my background was that traumatic until I started talking about it in graduate school. You know, they ask you to talk about your background. And so when I would tell them my background, I would be surrounded by people with their mouths open, you know, and, and just right. like they were in sure. that you know, at, at some of this. And I was like, wow, well, it wasn't that bad. It's like, yeah, it kind of was without realizing it. And so, it, you know, I was able to relate to many veterans on that level in that, and in the prison too, because you know there's this this toughness element. Like I don't, you know, I don't need to show emotion. I don't need to, you know, uh, be aware of my emotions. It's like, yeah, you kind of do. In order to really work through that anger, uh, which I certainly right. had myself, you know, growing up uh, too much. You know, I've, uh, I similarly, I at one point in my life, I drank too much to, you know, uh, as a way of uh, medicating myself. 
you know, and wow. I, I went through many similar experiences, and, and I'm open about that. You know, it, it is a part mm-hmm. of my makeup because, you know, I think that patients can relate to clinicians a little bit more if they know that, you know, you're not perfect. You're not, as Dr. Phil presents, you know, <laughs> right. super, super guru. It's like, you know, we have stuff too. Everybody has stuff. Um, and so that was the main turning point. And, uh, you know, to, to answer your question as to how I got into practice, you know, when I when I came back to Chicago, um, I decided to, uh, there was an opening for a director of uh, counseling. I had managerial experience. So I decided to give it a try. Always try something new. That was kind of my thing just to see if I could do it. Nice. I loved it. Sure. Except, you know, the, the counseling program outsourced. And so that was the end of the counseling program, just like that, you know. Oh, and I was heartbroken, right. really heartbroken, because oh. I really, like, I developed this baby from the ground up. All right, not the ground up, but I made it my own, and it was right. doing yeah. so well. And at the, the drop drop of a hat, your life can change just like that. And um, so, you know, I, I went into a slump, you know, for a little bit. I felt really badly, and um, I wasn't happy there anymore. I was just kind of doing coordinating stuff or, you know, some other kind of work, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And finally I decided I, I just stayed too long, which I think many people do. You just you stay within your comfort I know. zone. Oh, gosh, you're, you're hitting too many. Uh, again, I can't talk on Remember? here, but you're definitely hitting yeah, certain parts of myself that I'm really empathizing and, and listening to you right now. And I'm like, oh, she has a point there. Oh, yeah, she's got a point there. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. And yeah, you do get you do. not to say you get stuck, but you get comfortable, and it's it is hard it, to yeah. right make that change. You're right. I think you could use either term actually. Like, are you stuck? Perhaps like maybe stagnant. Right, that would be a word. You know, like yeah, that's you, you're a better just word. There. Right. right, and you know, even doing the work that we do not, like I had uh, back pain a little bit, I, marathoning, I just took its toll, and you know, I just noticed, like, you have to listen to your body too, like, you know, if, if mm-hmm. you're talking about a subject and you're feeling physical pain in a certain area, or you feel yourself tense up, or, you know, perhaps around someone you feel like you're walking on eggshells, you, you just feel this anxiety, just that something needs to be addressed. And so finally, it, and for some reason, it was just so terrible, like of all my experiences going into private practice was terrifying. Probably the most, one of the most terrifying experiences because I, it was completely new. I didn't know how to do it. And mm-hmm. I think probably for the first time in my career, I was completely alone. Like you don't have someone, you know, to work right. with as a team. So it was, I'm like, I don't know how to do billing. I don't know how to do this. I don't know. And, the, you know, you learn just like everything. But you, right. you had it, I just had to take a leap of faith and do it. That's great. So, Congratulations. Um, That's and and wonderful. that was very, thank you. How long have you been doing private practice? Um, let's see. Grant total for maybe four years now. And, you know, okay. I do it on the side. And uh, also do, um, you know, pain psychology as well. That's another area because of my experience, again, you know, back pain and wow. got intrigued with that. And so um, I was, it was a very good move. And, and you you just, again, have to notice your environment. And once I made a move more into what I wanted to do, I noticed my pain lessening and tension right. lessening. Right. And other parts of your life just seemed to go better. Um, but it was just a necessary move. So, yeah, very happy. That's very great. Happy doing that's what great. I'm doing. No, that's wonderful. I'm happy for you. That's really cool Thank to hear so that. Thank you so much. So, um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about when did you start to, you know, get interested in social media? I mean, is it something you've always been interested in, entertainment, kind of media, mm-hmm. psychology, how it interacts with it? You know, um, I 
it took me a while to get on Facebook because, you know, I I like my privacy. And so I know. Mm-hmm. I just I, yeah, probably, I'm sure you feel that too, right? Um, especially in our field, like, you know, you just have to be careful, like, you know, and it's it's a paradox, right? Like, you know, we're private and yet you have to be out there too. Um, right. So it took me a while and everyone kept nagging me, nagging me. It's like peer pressure, peer pressure, you know, like, get on it. <laughs> so finally I did. And I just thought it was very intriguing. You know, like, you know, uh-huh. what, what does one post? My, I think my first post was something lame, like, um, you know, I have a cold or something, because I'm like, why would anyone share anything, right? And then I noticed that it it really got, like, even for myself, even, you know, addicting, like, okay, I want to share more, I want to share more. And I'm not usually the type of, you know, I I do share and I am an extrovert, but I am selective with what I share. And so I even caught myself sharing a little bit too much, you know, that I would normally not be comfortable with. And I started noticing subtle changes, even with my friends, like, you know, I, I, and as a psychologist, you can see through certain things, like who's expressing a certain level of insecurity, um, who's sure. posting passive-aggressive stuff, um, who just got broken up with and is trying to make the other person jealous, um, you know, and, and reading in yep. between the lines. And then I'm sure you can tell that stuff. And um, oh, I mean, that's while, why I'm fascinated with it. I mean, I don't, again, I mainly was on it because of my music background, and that was the main mm-hmm. reason that I was on these sites. And then when I launched the radio show, of course, it was to support and promote people like you. Um, but, yeah, it's weird because me personally, I've never, you know, just felt the need to, like like you said, like, and again, everyone, everyone has their own level of comfort, but I was never posting right. anything personal, like, you know, where I was or what I was doing or how I was, was feeling. But like you, I was fascinated by what people I was, quote, unquote, whether they were, you know, real friends or people I met through the social media, you know, I became fascinated with, why would someone post that, and what is that all about? And, you know, so mm-hmm. when you when you contacted me, I was like, someone's finally done something with it, because I'm always joking around with my friends, oh, my God, i got to do something with psychology and social media, this is crazy. So, I mean, right, I right. again, it's just, it's fascinating, it's wonderful, you, you hit everything. Thank you. Um, Thank so, you. okay, so you're... Like you said, you're kind of doing what I'm doing where you're kind of like, what's this about and why is this being done? Yeah, and, you know, little by little I started noticing my clients beginning to talk about it and mm-hmm. um, then really talking about it and, and uh, you know, even mentioning, like, how it's affected their friendship. So, uh, you know, there was some mis- miscommunication or some misunderstanding. Someone got blocked. Someone got unfriended. Some jealousy issues, relationship issues, and when I would throw out the question of like, well, how about we take a little break? I'd get the deer in the headlights look, like, are you crazy? Like, I can't get off of this, right? And um, I started <laughs> noticing more and more until um, you know, and I and that seed was planted too. I was like, you know, I, I wonder if anyone has written a book on this, you know, and. Uh, nice. Sure enough, you know, we, we there were pioneers too, like, um, you know, Dr. Turkle, like she's written Alone Together and so, but and, uh, great books, but I, I noticed that they were a, a bit more highbrow or academic in nature, and although okay. that's great, I was thinking, you know, I, just for the regular person, like I wanted to reach like a, a broader audience, and but um, fear and doubt set in, you know, I'm not a writer, I'm a psychologist, you know, and I don't well, know how real, to do real this, quick, but, you know. Just to digress, yeah. I mean... Sure. If you, I mean, and we don't have to get into the details, but if you wrote that by yourself, it is, it's unreal. Your writing is great because I agree. I'm not. That's not necessarily my forte. I'd like to get into that more, but you know, that's not one of my huge strengths. Yeah. I'm okay at writing, uh-huh. but I mean, it was. I just thought it flowed wonderfully. I mean, it was. It was great. 
Thank you so much. You know, I, I, I had I had help, so you know, I had like you know some okay. proofreading, and um, you you Great. get it, it's a process. It's a crazy process, um, and it, there is a saying among writers. I've met a lot of writers since I started this journey. Is that you know the more you read and the more you write, you actually get better. It's really true because I would see the first draft. I'm like, wow, this is really bad, right? Um, versus like the the ending drafts, and I was like, okay, so I was beginning to get it. You know, like you know why yeah. you know you're going to certain sections to certain sections and, you know, you, you you just begin to get a knack for, like, what needs to stay and what doesn't need to stay. And I've also, right. the big lesson I've also learned, which as, like, clinicians, we we talk to our clients, which I didn't practice, but I preached, which was pacing, you know, taking breaks, you know, turning it off for yep. a while, right? And so yeah. there were deadlines, and so it, it got overwhelming. So, and, you know, to to be really honest, the way I started was just, Picking up, going to Barnes and Noble, and I picked up a book like How to Write a Nonfiction Book. That is very literally how I started, and I so I had right. to learn about okay, you need to find an agent, how, and then I had to buy another book. How do you find an agent? <laughs> how do you write a query letter to the agent? And you know, so I finally got the nerve to write a query letter, and you know, I was going to email it, and so I said I have a full proposal and the first two chapters ready to go. Let me know, et cetera, et cetera. I did it. I fibbed. Right, because I, I have heard that it, it takes forever to get an agent, if and some people never do, and so I figure, okay, this is just mm-hmm. practice to get the fear out of the way. So I press send, right, and within 40 minutes I get a call <laughs> from really, agent. yeah, that's amazing. It's the topic, and so she called me and she's like, bam, like wow, is this a great topic? And she's like, okay, send me your chapters, and I said, okay, um. Um, funny story. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really have right. them. <laughs> um, I didn't expect to hear from anyone, you know, that quickly. Um, you know, <laughs> right. and so you, we went back and forth, and you know, it was interesting because it, it wasn't quite a fit. She wanted me to do another academic book, and I just really didn't want to. And so we decided to part ways. And people were, you know, writers were like, "Are you insane? Like, you actually, you know, you, you don't." let people like you know let an agent go and I was like yeah but it really wasn't going to work out anyway and again it's a test on being authentic and true to yourself right. and since that time you know um a few months later um I met my current agent um at Reputation Book Liz and she's amazing and our personalities match so well and we're friends I mean like you know I consider That's her a friend great. now and um the connect, it, it was just a perfect match made in heaven and, um, you know, the kind of support that, you know, it's it's just, uh, you know, I could go on and on about Liz. She's fantastic. But you, you have to be true to yourself again. And so she's been great at helping the whole team at Reputation Books. It has been fantastic at helping me. And so, um, you know, if, it, it was a lesson on, you, you know, if you can't, if you think you can't, you're, well, don't stop yourself from doing something just because you don't think you can. It's like you will find the answers and you will find a way and you can get help. And so, right. you know, cool. um, I did That's really cool. I wrote it. At least I can say I did write it. You know, I'm not a ghostwriter. I wrote it. Um, and, you know, it's definitely been edited, of course. But, you know, it's just uh, it was my own. It was my first shot. And so, but you do hear a lot of negativity, just like, you know, you mentioned with Howard Stern. It's like you'll never find an agent. You'll never find a publisher. Do you know how right. competitive it is? There's thousands of books out or millions of books out there. And so I'm like, well, so what? You know, if even if it bombs, I just want to be able to say. Yeah, exactly. It. Exactly, and it's wonderful. And I think I think you did take an interesting approach, and I'm sure you're going to start talking about this because you really included, you know, case examples and things people can relate to. Like, you know, as I'm reading all these different, you know, people that you interviewed and spoke with, I'm like, oh my gosh, I saw someone doing that there, and and it just really mm-hmm. helps you 
understand and learn about as you go through because you do educate people. But, again, it's more based in people being able to relate, and I think that's what was really right. cool about it. Oh, thank you. Um, I definitely took a different approach. It, you know, I so you know, so during some of the editing stages, you know, I would be asked, like, you know, are we calling this research? It's like, no, 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 we can't call it research, research, because I, right. it's not a, you know, um, like a quality, uh, you know, quantitative study that I did. Uh, you know, at a stretch, you would say qualitative, but it's not a bona fide research study. This is more right. um, case, you know, case studies and interviews that I did, just asking people, you know, what are the positive and negatives? And here's here's a funny story. So, you know, I, um, I, I well, actually, let me digress. Not the funny story. Um, one day, uh, a patient of mine uh, called me in a panic, and he needed an emergency session. And I just never heard mm-hmm. him like that. And so I met him at my office. I, this is a story from the book that. Um, you know, he had logged on to Facebook that day, and uh, his he, he and his fiance were like three months away from getting married, and they had many mutual friends in common, family members, coworkers, etc. And so when he logged on, or a friend told him that he needed to log on immediately, he realized that she changed her relationship status from engaged to in a relationship with, and his photograph and name was substituted for that of his best friend. I recall and, that one. Um, that was horrible. I recall that in your book. Right. And as mentioned, like, I'm very rarely without words, and I'm just staring at him, in, like, in disbelief. Uh, because this couple, they, like, they were in their 40s, right? This is not, these aren't teenagers. Right, and, not even like teenagers, kids. teenagers right. don't act like this. And so I was like, and so he called her, of course, and she said, yes, you know, we decided it was time to let you know. We've been an item for a while. Oh. And so, oh and I'm like, so he decided to let you know on Facebook. Right, and to her that was normal. Right, and so it, the the ending of the engagement was certainly traumatizing enough. But what really hit him was the public element of it, and it sure. was mass humiliation. You know, like your boss knows about. You know, your friends know about this even before you do. Um, and how do you deal with that? And his phone was ringing off the hook. His mother's calling. Her mother's calling. Everyone is calling him. Right, and um, he's mentioned that, you know, he was feeling suicidal, he wanted to die, and so we just mm-hmm. agreed that, you know, how about we take a, a, a trip to the emergency room and let's just at least get you an assessment, you know, and see an evaluation. And he he was actually like, like sign me up. You know, I've never seen anyone so enthusiastic to go into or so motivated to Aww. go into a psychiatric unit because he said, take my cell right. phone, take my laptop, take this. He really wanted to be unwired and he didn't want any visitors. He needed like a total escape um, from his situation, at least momentarily, because, again, this, it was just too much hitting him at the same time. So that day, you know, the nurse and I were holding his laptop and his cell phone, and, you know, he goes into the unit, and that's the moment of reflection of, like, you know, it doesn't matter how scared I am of writing, you know, and, and of failure or of, you know, just uh, or judgment. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, fear or no fear, I at least have to give it a, a, a try, and um, yeah. that was the day that I that I did go to the bookstore and I said, okay, how do I write a nonfiction book, and where do I get started? Um, so that that was the beginning of it. That's great. No, thank um, you so much for sharing that. And I mean, kudos to you with you know you know you know hopefully potentially saving this person's life. You know, depending on how distraught this whole thing you know led to, like you said, his suicidal potential ideation, and you know so. It was great that yeah, you were there to support him and, and get him what he needed. Thank you. And, you know, it, well, you know, fast forward to what happened is, you know, his, uh, and, and it's predictable, right? Like, you know, his it, the new relationship didn't work out, right? You know, mm-hmm. his ex-fiance and his best friend. And then she wanted to come back to him, and he was just like, 
bye, you know, whatever, you know, and um, he just said, you know, he just uh, would never go back to her, and he swore that if he ever, you know, and I'm sure he has gotten into a new relationship since then, he was not going to have Facebook. <laughs> so there'll be, like, no right. interaction on it, um, you know, and, right. and not that, and he, we, we had a lot of discussions after that, and I, I make this very clear in my book. It's not Facebook itself. I'm not saying Facebook is evil. I exactly, love Facebook. and I, I know you say media. that. Right, and uh, I also want to say that because, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, I was just about to say that that's what uh, we both want, perhaps, you know, people to know is that this is not a get off a Facebook book. This is more about just noticing certain patterns of behaviors that are beginning to to be influenced by, you know, prolonged social media interactions. Exactly, exactly. And we're going to get into that in a minute, but how did you, you know me, I'm always... uh, Again, I do come up from a very analytical background. So how do you, I mean, the book is, it's a great title. Tell us a little bit about the story behind how you came up with the title for it and, you know, what inspired that title. Oh, great question. Um, the original title <laughs> was going to be um, Am I My Profile Pick, which is actually what went into the title of Chapter 1. Hmm. It's about authenticity. Okay. Um, I, uh, people were throwing out different, you know, uh, titles to me, and one that stuck in the background was Facebook, and I said, well, I didn't want it initially because, I, again, it would make it seem like the whole thing was about addiction, and it wasn't. You know, that's a, certainly an element of it. Um, and right. social media is definitely addicting, right? Um, but I didn't want people to think that that was it. But, uh, but I, from the very beginning with this book, it's, all, it's been about questions about what people think. And so I would even throw out, you know, the titles to people that I would be interviewing. You know, like, what do you think? And so most people really, when, the minute they heard, it just resonated with them. They're like, that's it. That, that almost encompasses everything. You know, like, why is it even a problem? It's because people can't balance their life, you know, um, or they can't balance their you know, online expressions with their offline realities or, you know, at least be able to navigate some of this stuff. So uh, the more we, we, I just said it, it just became very natural. And so um, just by probably votes, you know, with the editor and the agent and the publisher and, uh, you know, just had to let them know, most people really do gravitate towards the Facebook. And so that's the one that stuck. Nice. Yeah, and I, I think it's I think it's perfect for it. And like you said, even though it's encompassing all types of social media and there's positive and, you know, negative aspects of, of any type of social media site, you know, the hooked in component is that, you know, like you said, it, it, it can be addicting and people do get hooked into this stuff for whatever reason it is. Um so no, it's a great title. Really good. Thank you. Thanks. So and uh so oh, I was just about to say then, you know, aside from this this one extreme example I was talking about it all the time, like all the time, right? And my friends finally got to the point, they're like, please be quiet, <laughs> you know, and please write it down or please talk to someone else. <laughs> right. And it, it made sense, you know, if I can't keep speaking to psychologists, of course, they're, you know, we have a certain perspective. You have to speak to other people. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's a funny story too. Like this is a funny story. It's like, you know, how do I begin to speak to people, right? And I, I'm new at this. I had no idea how, how do I even get an audience with this, right? So I made right. a really big sign, and um, it was in the dead of winter. Um, we've had some very special winters here in Chicago lately, right? And so I made this big billboard, and it, and it read, you know, talk to me about social media. So I went outside of my private practice office, downtown Chicago, and I held it up. And I am freezing, and the sign is shaking because I'm so cold. And people were looking at me like, you're crazy, you know, or what are you right. doing, right? But, 
and little by little, you know, I'm so excited. The first person that actually came to talk to me, right? So, uh, you know, one person came and was like, well, what do you want to know? And I just said, you know, I want to know, you know, has it affected you in any way, either positively or negatively? Like, what are your thoughts about it? You know, do you think that it's, you know, uh, changing us in any way? And then before I knew it, I had, you know, some other people come up. And then I had a little crowd, even in, in the cold, because I realized some people wanted to really talk about it. And mm-hmm. during that time, I decided to do the first workshop presentation, which I, I uh, conveniently, I was the director of counseling at the college. And so, you know, I, I um, through many different workshops, but this is the one that was really popular. I had standing room only because people wanted to talk about it, you know, how they've wow. lost relationships or, you know, how, you know, so people, of course, through the positives out, like, you know, I used to be really shy you know, I didn't think that, you know, or, you know, I just got divorced. You know, I, I didn't have a life after the divorce, and Facebook brought me back and, you know, reconnected me with all these people. And so I, we heard it, you know, we heard everything, right? And so it was just several groups, several groups of, you know, uh, people, and it did a lot of what I call focus groups with teams, you know, and mm-hmm. those were definitely very interesting and scary at the same time. Um, you know, just the, well, we'll get to that, but... Uh, you know, after a, a while, you know, I felt after several, you know, or a couple of years of, of interviewing, I finally felt confident enough to put it on my um, Psychology Today profile at the time of like, you know, this is what I do. I have, you know, specialty in, in social media. And then my business just skyrocketed. I had a three-month waiting list. And after a while, wow. that was about 80% of what I was doing because there aren't a lot of us out there that focus specifically on social media. And uh, that's become very clear to me. Like I, I even got called by the Illinois Psychological Association to do a presentation at the at the convention. And as you know, usually we have to apply for that, you know. And, right, uh, you right. Know, they, that's amazing. So, yeah, they, I was so honored that they contacted me. And it was likely because, again, there aren't that many of us that are, you know, doing that. So, you know, luckily the word's been getting out. So I was so thrilled with that experience, too. But, you know, more of us, more psychologists really do need treatment, not treatment, (laughs) training on helping people, you know, navigate this. Because especially for teens, like, this is their world. I know. know, And let's talk a little bit. Get my teen off of Facebook, you know, or whatever you can. Right, and let's you know, let's incorporate that while we're talking about this stuff because, I mean, sure. yeah, I mean, it was so interesting, you know, as I'm reading that section of your book where it's called, you know, Teen Clicks and as in Cleeks and then Clicks as in C-L-I-C-S, I mean, C-L-I, sorry, long day, C-L-I-C-K-S, like in terms of clicking, um, and, you know, you really do a great job of exploring just, you know, how does this impact social skills, um, attention span, developing relationships, you know, this is their world today. You know, 10 years ago, you know, this stuff is just kind of coming out. We didn't have this stuff growing up. Um, you know, we were calling right. people on the phone. You meet people out for dinner. There's a lot of social interaction. And, right, how is that potentially, you know, impacting the development of their social skills and their abilities to relate to people? Um, you know, comment mm-hmm. on a little bit of that stuff, including, you know, unfortunately the cyberbullying bullying and the uh, Amanda Todd story that you spoke about, which was, Again, extremely disheartening, but unfortunately, this stuff is out there, and it, it is very uh, alarming. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the teens, it, it was really interesting to me because, you know, I have different groups in different areas of the city, 
Um, and so there were times where I thought, okay, these are the cookie cutter, you know, honor roll students. This one may be a little boring or something, you know, and not much to say. Right. And every, every group had had something to give. Um, you know, basically wow. millennials, you know, digital media, the digital natives, they are the most tech savvy than any other generation that has existed. Um, and, and that makes sense, you know, like the technology at the time, you know, is always, you know, given towards, you know, the, the younger generation because they are the most adaptable to it. So, you know, at the time, you know, for at least me, I'll age myself, like, you know, uh, we were experts of the VCR while I'm aging myself, or the Walkman, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, you know, programming, something like that, like that was the most, or uh, the Atari system, or et cetera. Um, but, you know, nowadays, like, you know, teens, they can be skateboarding while they're, t- you know, tweeting something and, you know, updating their statuses on, like, you know, 20 different networks with their thousands of friends. I mean, this is so much their world. And so, you know, little by little, you know, teens would start off by saying, no, everything's great, I have many friends, and then one by one, one would start mentioning, you know, how they get picked on or how they feel the pressure to update, you know, as often as they need to, or if one person is bullying one person, in order to be part of the cool group, you will join in on the cyberbullying, whether or not you even know anything about it, just so that you could say that you were a part of it. Um, one of the shocking re- revelations for me was, well, the dating aspect of it, we'll get to that, but it what really stunned two things. One, you know, several of them mentioned that um, they weren't, you know, why do they text so much? Why are they tweeting so much in, versus calling what we used to do? And they would mention, like, it was the pauses. You know, I'm not okay with the pauses. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they would say, well, right, right now, you pause, yes. And they're like, see, that's another pause. And I was like, okay and they're like that freaks me out and I'm like what do you mean you know like wow. I, and you know I'm like I really am trying to understand you I'm you know I'm really trying what do you mean and they said well when you're texting someone and there's a pause it's it's understood that you know someone dropped something or they needed to pick something you know whatever they uh, they're addressing something else or talking to someone they're not ignoring you and they're not it's not a weird pause in conversation so when they when they text you back it's just fine it's understood that there was a break but it's not a, a but, like but a you know it's interesting i mean not to digress but how do they know that maybe the person wasn't doing something else or you know, ignoring the person because they had to text someone who's more important. You know what I mean? Like, so that's so, right. that's such an interesting perspective that just because there might be an awkward moment, if you and I sit here for a second and maybe we're thinking about what to say next, these kids can't tolerate that kind of face-to-face pause that they can right. deal with the text pause. It's interesting. Right. You know, and I we addressed that too, like, how do you know, right? And they said, well, it really doesn't matter because you're texting three other people at the same time. So, you know, you're, right. you're probably not even paying attention so much to that pause. So if someone is pausing, then you're checking out your, your social media updates, you know, or um, news feeds or whatever, you know, and so you don't even have to think about it, right? So then I mentioned to them, you know, and of course I looked shocked and concerned, and they're like, why? Why is that so deep? And so I would just be like, well, you know, and I was even just brainstorming or reflecting, you know, just trying to gather my thoughts in front of them. I said, well, let's let's – Think about this for a second, right? If you are not okay with silence, that means that you're not okay with reflection, right? Right. Thinking things through. And if you're not Mm -hmm. okay with reflection, then all you're doing is acting impulsively. And when you act impulsively, you tend to get into trouble. 
You know, like there's certain decisions that are fine and then there's other decisions that are really not okay. And every once in a while, as I mentioned to them, that there are moments in life where someone may want an answer right away and you have to set a boundary and to say, I'm going to think about it or let me sleep on it or let me, Mm -hmm. you know, let me get back to you because, you know, certain decisions require that reflection. And if you guys are not doing that, that concerns me. I said, yeah, that does really concern me. Um, and so I got the deer in the headlights look again, like, you know, not understanding why that's so important. The other thing that um, was really just shocking to me was the lack of privacy. You know, right. um, they mentioned, you know, the screenshotting, right? This is what, you know, a, a very big pattern is that, you know, if you and I are speaking about a third party um, and I begin to uh, slander someone, um, you will take a picture of that texting conversation. See, that's that's that, fascinating you know, because I don't, I don't know much about that. I've heard about it, you know, but that's just, wow. Right. I mean, yeah. Right. Exactly. And so, and I was like, so then what would happen is like, well, then I'm sharing that information with this third party or with our other friend, you know. And so I was like, but then won't you get in trouble with me? Like our friendship is in compromise. And the response again was interesting to me. It's like not really because it's understood that if you're texting, it's almost anybody's game, right? If you're texting something, then you risk um, it being exposed. And so then I was like, so then the the question would, you know, uh, the natural question is, why would you? Why would I text you then? It's like because no one picks up the phone, right? Everyone texts. It's true. Right. Even adults do that. We get annoyed when right. we receive a voice message nowadays. You know, it's like, if is this textable, <laughs> then why aren't you texting me? <laughs> right, right. Oh, my gosh. It's so interesting. It's like you said, and it's, it's such a world that they need people like you that are so interested in this stuff and want to help people because, right, there's not many people out there and there's tons of people on these sites that are, you know, having unfortunately a lot of sometimes distressful situations as a result of them. Right. You know, and um, and, and many parents not knowing how to navigate some of this stuff and even teens not knowing mm-hmm. how to navigate some of this stuff, you know, and... uh so, you know, how is it affecting them? It's, you know, on the on the positive, you know, teens have a, a very powerful voice that they've never had before. And, right. and corporations love them for it, unfortunately. You know, they use them. So, you know, you think of YouTube and all of the famous YouTube people, right, that, you know, sponsor, have sponsors, right? Um, they get right. they get paid in the currency of popularity, which is the only thing that a teenager really cares about anyway, Right. Um, right. But, you know, they do have a voice and they have an incredible ability to express themselves like they never could before, you know, even themselves artistically, you know, and they tend to lean towards video, you know, video expressions and anything with, with photographs. So Instagram or Vine or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, on the on the, on the other positive in terms of dating, um, a lot of girls are doing, you know, the, the stalking and the researching before they agree to date you, right? So they will mm-hmm. go through all of your point. photographs. They will do all of this. But here's a negative. They are doing this research based on what someone is selectively choosing to, to share. So it's it's edited or it's too, enhanced right? or it's omitted, right? So very rarely would someone actually say that he's a player, right? You know, or that, right. you know, his online game is amazing or that, you know, he's manipulative or jealous or overbearing. No one writes or very few people people, right, things like that. So you are forming an impression of a person based on what they choose to show you, and that is getting rid of our sense of being authentic and forming impressions on someone's uh, authenticity. 
No, you're absolutely right. And I, I think as you're talking about this stuff, too, um, you know, on the flip side, not just talking about teens and, you know, people in their adolescence, but, you know, adults' behavior and some of the stuff you go into. And, again, this can apply to, of course, the younger um, population, too, but just the emotional manipulation and the different uh, categories of personalities. And we don't have to go into all of them because I want people to buy your book and read it. But, you know, you go over five different categories of personalities and, and how they engage you and the the difficulties and challenges in dealing with these people and sometimes, unfortunately, cutting ties with them, so to speak. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's I think that's a great point that you make is, right, people, I think, get so caught up in you know, you say what's the real self versus sometimes, not to say fantasy, but, you know, people can create, like you say, this kind of virtual self in terms of how you would want to be. And that's not necessarily how you really are. Um, right. And then that creates right. the cognitive dissonance, which I thought was, you know, perfectly intertwined when you did that in the book, because I, I always love that concept. But, yeah, it creates this kind of anxiety of, you know, who am I really? I present this way on Facebook, but this is how I really am in real life, and how do I kind of navigate these two together? Right, and um, and so that's where the, the merging begins, right? So, you know, our friends, as I put it, like, in Facebook, is that, you know, our friends on Facebook and social media, they're, they're no longer our friends, they're our audience, right? And we've become performers, mm-hmm. and we've become validation seekers, you know. This this is the, the, the like feature has be, is a very, very powerful feature, right? Please endorse me, you know, and um, mm-hmm. tell, you know, determine my self-worth for me. And the more likes you get, the, you know, there's been some studies that show, like, you know, we actually get dopamine hits. Every time we get a push notification or we get a comment, isn't that it? It, it sounds crazy, it is. It, but it's actually happening. It's true. It's really I happening. know it is. Right. And and so you know the addiction is, is is real. You know, and if you don't think you're addicted, here's a little test. You know, just take twenty excuse me forty eight hours. Take a weekend. Right. <laughs> and for people that don't have a business take a break. associated, right. Take a break. Um, and, and again, the the disclaimer here is, you know, if you don't have a business associated to Facebook, that's that's different, right? Or if you do it, that's different. But you know, for those of us, that, right. you know, for those people that don't, um, so take take the weekend. And if you can keep yourself from checking social media, even despite a push notification, even despite you know this little message telling you that someone commented or whatever, if you can keep yourself away from it for 48 hours, then you are not addicted. If you find yourself feeling anxious or staring at your smartphone or wondering mm-hmm. who posted what and you're just too, you can't take it anymore and you crack, you know, um, you <laughs> might have a problem. <laughs> right. Um, and some people you can do it and, and a lot of people can't. Right. No, I think I think it's just, you know, the book is really, really good and I really want to encourage um, the audience out there to pick up a copy of this and, and you know, whether it's with your friends or you have teenage kids, you know, just, just share this information, go over it, learn about it, see how it impacts your life, um, both positively and potentially in a, you know, a negative way. Um, so what else is, what else is in store for you? What are your plans in terms of, you know, continuing with this book? Are you going on any book tours or any, you know, readings or signings coming up? Yeah, you know, I took a I took a little bit. Of, speaking of breaks, I took a little break because of the holidays, and so I'm going to be picking mm-hmm. it up again shortly. Um, right now, I'm focusing just on uh, these kind of interviews um, and getting the, the word out as much as I can. And um, you know, it's it's doing well on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, um, and you know, just just 
going there, I started working on my second book. Um, you know, even as as the thought of her, like the seed was planted, actually the inspiration came from the teens on, um, you know, the, the digital dating or so. So it is on uh, the, the sexual apps, the sex apps and the hookup apps and the dating apps that we have and how that's wow. affecting us either in the bedroom or, you know, in relationships. And, you know, so, you know, sexuality in the digital, somewhere, you know, I'm still conceptualizing it, you know, still in the formation process and even just thinking about, you know, this journey and why am I doing this to myself again, you know, it, it is exciting and so I'm excited about this that's next That's great. Project, you know. No, I mean, that's, an, hey, you, you did it once, you did a great job with it, so, you know, I think you'll, you'll do an excellent job with the next one and like you said, it going to hopefully be more natural for you now. Now you know the process. You know, hopefully there'll be some of the, you know, not things that I you can skip over, easier. but, you know, little shortcuts you can make here and there, you know? Yeah, I I, I think now that I, I kind of got the, the fluidity of it, you know, I, it'll be a little easier, you know, now that I know what people are looking for, you know, or such. Right. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, that's great. No, that's great. And believe me, we could talk for hours and hours, but, um, you know, I want to really keep it to, you know, about an hour just so people can really get a feel of, again, who you are, this book that you have out, and uh, encourage them to purchase it so that they can really delve into it and, and read about it. So, thank you. Are, is time almost up, or are we at time? Yeah, yeah, we're going to, yeah, we'll start wrapping up in a minute. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, please, you know, plug for where people can find you in terms of social media sure. sites, where you're located. Absolutely. Well, my website is drsuzannaflores.com, and I have a weird spelling, so it's S-U-Z-A-N-A, um, and it's Flores, F-L-O-R-E-S. But truthfully, the easiest way to find me is if you just Google Facebook, you should find me. Um, it leads you to my website and uh, so many of the interviews that I've done um, also, you can purchase uh, Facebook on Amazon, in, both in hard copy and ebook, and uh, at Barnes and Noble. And I've been informed that uh, certain Barnes and Noble stores have started carrying it on their shelves. Very excited about that! Wow, um, that's so, great! Yeah, yeah. So we're that's getting awesome. there. We're getting there. And uh, it's received very good reception so far. You know, it's just uh, people can really relate to it. And, you know, just again, to summarize, it's not an anti-social media book. It really isn't. It's more about just realizing, you know, how it it might be affecting us and our relationships. Uh, A little stat plug here is, you know, just you don't think it's affecting our relationships. There's a 20% divorce rate, you know, uh, associated to either directly or indirectly to social media. Uh, interactions, so that's you know just it just kind of tells you something. Wow. Um, and so yeah, just being aware of like you know our our posting behaviors or why we are doing certain things um, that we're doing, you know, that we didn't do before on social media, and how that's influencing us both on an emotional level, uh, interpersonal level, and even a global level. So definitely, you know, mostly definitely. Great. No, I mean, it's a great book, Susanna. And, again, I want to commend you for your resiliency and uh, putting the effort in and, and getting this thing out there because I think you're really on to something, and I don't see social media or the Internet going away anytime soon. Um, so right. I think you're going to continue to have an amazing career with educating people about this and, you know, helping them, you know, support them in terms of deal with some of these things that come up. Thank you so much, Carrie, and um, thank you yeah. for having me on your show. It's been fun. Absolutely. And, you know, keep in touch with me. And, and when the next book comes out, we will uh, resume and uh, support that one for you, too. Fantastic. Thank you.
Okay. And, uh, yeah, so, no, thank you so much for, for reaching out to me again. You did a wonderful job tonight, and the podcast will be available um, once the show is over, so we can keep pushing that out there to get people to uh, hear the interview and learn all about you. That'd be great, and I'd love to promote it on my website as well. So looking cool. forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. Uh, I will definitely awesome. keep you in touch. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great meeting with you and communicating with you. And again, much continued success to you and your uh, your team and the book and everything else you're doing. Thank you. Same to you. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Okay. Thanks so much, Dr. Flores. Have a great night. You too, Carrie. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye. All right, everyone. Again, Dr. Susanna Flores, be sure to check out her book, Face Hooks. And as she said, you can find her on Facebook and purchase her book at Amazon.com as well as Barnes & Noble. So upcoming interviews, 2015, I'm in the process of booking interviews right now. An amazing hard rock band that is hitting it pretty big is titled Letters from the Fire. They're going to be coming up on my show soon, so definitely check them out. Also, please be available to check out the podcast. I'm going to be on iTunes soon. I'm in the process of getting hooked up with them. So all of my podcasts you can download directly from the Blog Talk Radio site, or you can also go to iTunes. Hopefully it will be up within a couple of weeks. Again, they're free. Just stream them. Uh, You can listen to them in the car. Some really amazing interviews with people I've had the honor and pleasure of um, having as guests on my site. So music, authors, comedians, um, check it out. Some really cool interviews. They're very in-depth. I spend a lot of time, as you can see, researching my guests and, and putting together some creative and unique interviews for each person I have. So please follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. If you follow me, I will follow you. And also become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. That's where I post all the upcoming dates. As well as, if you would like, please befriend me on Facebook, too, and we can keep in touch with each other that way, too. So thank you so much. If you tuned in late for some reason tonight, the podcast will be available to download and or stream after I go off the air. And again, thanks so much for the continued support and look forward to coming back in the next couple of weeks with uh, some music and other guests that we'll have on the show. Have a great night.